I love the fact that the uh, worship this morning was all centered around who Christ is. And ultimately, you know, we can, we can look even at the things that, that Jesus does in the lives of others and it doesn't make sense to us personally until we have our own experiences of the person of Christ and see the consistency of his character. Who he is, he is always. Uh, who he is today, he is tomorrow. Who he was in the scripture, he is today. There's never a time when God isn't who he is. And so part of what I love about our, our search through the Gospels and looking at who Jesus, how Jesus displayed himself in his interactions with people in the New Testament, it tells us who he is today. It, it's something we can hold on to. So as we were singing today, I was just thinking about all the, the beautiful characteristics of, of, uh, of Christ that I personally have discovered by his spirit and walking out life. I like what... Alex prayed at the, end of his, uh, at the end of his prayer. He said, you know, Lord, that we would hear you today and encounter you today, but also that we would encounter you and hear you and have experiences with you moment by moment in our lives. That's, that's the goal. It's not to be able to come to church once a week and get uh, a word from the pastor. Uh, hopefully today you will get a word from God that may come through my voice and it may just come through whatever the Spirit says to you today. But that we would make a habit of that, that, that the Holy Spirit that's alive and working today uh, through what he's going to say through his word, through my voice today, he also is, is speaking all the time. We have a beautiful opportunity to get to know God in a way that changes our perspective. I'm reading a book, I just finished reading a book called The Secret of Grace uh, by Steve McVeigh, the same guy that wrote Grace Walk. And one of the secrets that he tells us is, is the secret of who God is. That's the secret that grace reveals to us. Because most of us grew up and, and still in some, some ways we hold on to this picture of God of looking down on us all the time and being disappointed with us and never happy, always upset, always, always uh, reprimanding us and punishing us. And, and then his goal is to ultimately uh, show us how powerful he is by making us feel small. Just the opposite is true. Always saying about this morning is that God comes and gets us out of that condition and brings us up to a level. He raises us up to a level of a son of God, literally adopted sons and daughters of God, walking with him, having him be our all in life. All these things that we've talked about that we see Jesus being in the scripture, he is that to us. But I hope it's more than just an intellectual exercise for you. In other words, I hope it's not just spinning around in your brain all these things that we've been talking about since the 1st of January, by the way. So here we are in month 11, continuing to talk about who he is. I hope this hasn't been an exercise in futility for you guys. But you really are beginning to not just understand truths about Christ as revealed in Scripture, but that you are beginning to experience God in these ways in your life, that you're finding during your week before and after these messages, you're finding God to be these things in your experience. There's never one more needed than what we're going to talk about today. Today we're going to talk about how Jesus calms our worry. Everybody in here today has some worry probably that you're dealing with right this very minute. It's hardly ever a time when we don't have some kind of something that we are worried about and worries have played such a, a, a horrible part in the, in the experience of life if we let our minds focus on those things that bring us to, the, to worry. And they play such a beautiful part 
in our Christian experience in teaching us about the kingdom of God if we allow it, allow uh, the beginnings of worry and anxiety to be given up to God with a confidence in him. With a, you know, you're never going to stop worrying until you place your confidence in whatever you're worrying about right now. There's a lack of confidence and faith that you're placing in the person, God. Whatever it is you're worrying about, there's some confidence problems. Uh, your mind is focused on the wrong thing. You're focused on the, uh, the, your mortality. You're focused on the physical things around you, and you're not focused on the kingdom of God. And so Jesus, right after this encounter that we had last week, where he, he quiets the Sadducees and Pharisees and quiets their disputes, there's another question asked, which we'll talk about in a minute. And he answers by giving us this beautiful lesson on who Jesus is in the midst of worry. Who is God in the midst of the things that we worry about? In the midst of, so everyday life, all day long, those things that are bothering you right now that you're constantly concerned about, that you're constantly fighting with, that's, that's ruining, literally ruining the abundant life that God has for you as you walk in his kingdom. He wants to give you victory over that. He wants to calm those worries. So let's see how today by diving into this text. Luke chapter 12 again, verses 22 to 32 will be our focal passage. Y'all with me? Say, oh yeah. Everybody awake now? Settle down, settle in. All right. And Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. Life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. How much more valuable, uh, how much more valuable You are then birds. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the lilies grow. They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, uh, which is here today and tomorrow, is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you? O you of little faith, and do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink, or do not worry about it, for the pagan world runs after all such things, and your Father knows that you need them, but seek his kingdom, and all these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. So last week we talked about the fact that Jesus quiets disputes and that if you're trying to get Jesus to stand on your side of a dispute between somebody you, yourself and somebody else or some group that you're a part of and another group that's holding to their beliefs, they know they're right they're, and they're gaining all the authority they can to support their argument and you're fighting and you're in this dispute, Jesus made it pretty clear last week that he doesn't stand on any side. Jesus You're missing the point if you think he's standing on your side. Jesus didn't come to be served. He came to serve. And so he was trying to teach his disciples the same thing. If you're interested interested in having your own way, you're not serving the person that's across from you. It's interesting in the context of this teaching from Jesus. It happens right after that encounter. 
with the Sadducees and Pharisees. Now somebody from the crowd is going to ask Jesus a question. And he's, and he's, he's on a side. He's taking a side. He said, and, and, his, and his brother's on another side. Look at it. Look at the question he asked. Right after Jesus finishes quieting the Pharisees and Sadducees, I'm not on anybody's side in the dispute. We get another great lesson. Verse 13, right above. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide his inheritance with me. So they're fighting over inheritance. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to him, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. So once again, here's Jesus. Not taking a side, but he does take an opportunity to teach another principle in the middle of this dispute about living life in the kingdom of God. And so it's a, and, and this particular one is a, is a principle that has, I believe, a tremendous effect on how we focus our time, our energy, our money, how we handle our relationships with other people, ultimately how we enjoy life in the world. And so it's an important teaching. Jesus is teaching us that if uh, a truth that if we let this truth that he gives us sink into our minds and hearts today, I'm confident it will make you rich toward God. It will give you abundant life. It will take those the misery that you've been experiencing week after week some of you most of us. It'll take that misery and give us wealth in its place, abundant life in its place. So let's take this text apart and pray that God's going to enlighten us with his truth because uh, who doesn't want to be rich, right, in this life? Who doesn't want to be happy tomorrow when you face whatever you face? Who doesn't want to have an abundant life this week? This is something that will apply immediately in your life today. So let's flesh it out. So first of all, verses 22 and 23, Jesus said, to his disciples, therefore, I tell you, by the way, therefore, what's the therefore, therefore? We go back, we just said what is therefore. It's in reference to the question and that statement that Jesus gives to the brother who's fighting with his other brother, who wants his inheritance. He says, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. So that's what it's there for. So since a man's life does not exist in the abundance of his possessions, Jesus says, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or your body, what you will wear, life is more than food and the body more than clothes. So first of all, he gives a command. The command that Jesus gives here to his disciples is this, and to, to, these, uh, to these, those who are listening is this. He says, don't worry about your physical life. Don't worry about your physical life. Telling us not to worry about our physical lives is the same as telling us don't ever eat again, in my mind. (laughs) I mean, we understand that this is a great command from Jesus. But for him to just say, you know, my wife gets upset when I say, you know, well, just don't, don't worry. Or just stop it, whatever your problem is, stop. That's irritating, isn't it? When someone comes and tells you to just stop, well, just stop. Well, obviously, if I could just stop, I would have stopped already, right? If it's something that's causing me pain and misery. 
Worry is one of those things. My first response to Jesus when he says, don't worry is, I mean, I want to be respectful, but I'm thinking, what? I worry. It's what I do. Just telling me not to stop, just telling me not to stop is not going to take care of business for me. And so he doesn't stop there. But listen, we need this command from Jesus. We worry about everything. We worry about school, some of you right now. How well you're doing in school. Are you going to complete your assignments? Are you, are you, are you ahead, enough ahead? You worry about that paper that's coming up. It's funny how a paper that was due at the beginning of the semester or that you knew was due at the beginning of the semester, all of a sudden you are so worried about it and it consumes you for a week. Anybody ever had that experience? Got a paper due, got a test due, got a test coming up. All week long, my whole week is miserable because I'm worried about this test. Even when we're responsible and we study, some of us are prone to worry about schoolwork. Am I going to get a good enough education to be able to get a job? We worry about our jobs. Am I going to perform well enough to keep this job? You know, that's what we we worry about that. We worry about our friends and our relationships. Is so-and-so going to like me after I... After today, is this experience going to cause us to, whatever we just experienced, is it going to cause them to hate me now? You know, we worry about uh, how we're going to handle relationships all the time. We, and some of us are, are, are just defeated and miserable because of worry. We worry about our time all the time. Am I using my time wisely? Am I giving enough time to this, enough time to that? Our time is, is something that God's given us, and we worry about it. Our money is probably the biggest worry at this stage of most of your lives. Are we going to have enough? Do I have enough money to take care of all the bills that I have to pay? Am I going to make enough? Am I going to earn enough? Listen, worry is terrible for our health. I pulled up a number of articles. I got one from WebMD. I'm going to read a few little portions of it. You don't know what worry does to your body? When you worry, your body responds to your anxiety in the same way that you would respond to physical danger. It's the flight or fight concept. Your body literally responds to worry. Your body's reaction to worry is the same as if a bear was, all of a sudden you're riding your bicycle and there's a bear in the woods and he's after you. Same thing as physical danger. To help you cope with the physical demands, I'm going to read some of this, you are about to ask your body to perform, your brain releases stress hormones like adrenaline and cortisol into the bloodstream, and they trigger a range of physical reactions that will equip your body for action. Your heart rate increases. Your breathing becomes heavier. You, you might sweat more. You may also become pale as the blood moves away from your skin towards the muscles to help them prepare for the uh, fight-or-flight situation your worry has created. The fight or flight response is your body's instinctive reaction to danger. Unconsciously, your body prepares itself to either run away from danger or becomes very alert in order to fight predators. But many of the things that we worry about today cannot be dealt with by fighting or running away. Credit card bills, bad relationships, stress at work can be dealt with physically. Uh, cannot be dealt with physically, so our body remains in this state of anxiety, ready for action. That means that our stress hormones are still circulating in the bloodstream. 
Teresa Francis Chung, says that over a prolonged period of time, raised levels of these chemicals can start to have a toxic effect on the glands, the nervous system, and the heart, eventually leading to heart attacks, increased risk of stroke, stomach ulcers. Because your body has, has uh, tensed, ready to respond uh, to the threat that you are feeling, this muscle tension can turn into aches and pains, causing headaches, back pain, weak legs, and trembling. The tension can also affect your digestive system, triggering bouts of constipation or diarrhea. You may also become more prone to infections. It's widely accepted that stress and anxiety can lower your immune system, making you more susceptible to picking up colds or more serious illnesses. With excessive worry, our immune systems have little time to recover, so you become even more tired and lethargic. Worry also has an effect on our brains. Excessive worry disturbs your peace of mind, making it harder for you to concentrate on one task at a time. This means that it may also be difficult for you to fall asleep at night. And once you're suffering from insomnia, many worriers start to worry about that as well, making their symptoms even worse. Worry may also make you absent-minded or neglectful of your health. You may feel too stressed to eat properly, so you're not getting enough vitamins and minerals in your diet. You can speed up the aging process as you're not replenishing your skin, muscles, brain with the right nutrients from food. Excessive worry can even lead to depression. You start to worry about everyone and everything day and night, feel that life is unfair and justice does not exist, or we become paranoid that people will betray you. These could be the first warning signs of depression. Now, I'm sure that all of us have experienced some of these symptoms. Some of us right now, as I went through those, you probably said, oh, that's what's wrong with me. Now, the old people that thought that's why you can't remember things, that's not, that's not it. It's, it's being old. Okay, we'll settle that. No, I look at all the things that, that, that worry causes. We don't want these things in our lives. This is, a, this is a command from Jesus that we want to follow. It's not something we don't want to follow. We want this, but we need help. And the good news this morning is that Jesus presents us with help for this problem of worry. Look at what he says. First of all, he says, look at the problem. Look at the problem. Jesus identified their worries. He says, here it is. You are worried about what you eat and what you wear. So the first thing is identify those things that that have you worried. Call them out. You know, he doesn't want you to focus on them, ultimately. But we need to admit to ourselves that we worry about these things. I don't know how you grew up, but I, you know, being a pastor, I've shared this a number of times. There have been times when I just didn't want to admit that I was worried. And honestly, I I didn't admit it to myself, so I couldn't admit it to you. I wanted to believe that I wasn't worried about stuff. But all these symptoms that we're reading, particularly the ones of not sleeping at night, waking up in the middle of night and something running through my head and I can't get it off my mind and I'm constantly worried about it, worried about it, and I don't sleep well. And so, you know, and I'm asking God, please put me back to sleep. I know that's a sign of worry. So here's my new prayer with, with God, and I recommend this to you. When it comes to worry, when you start feeling these anxious feelings or you start seeing some of these symptoms in your life, Ask yourself and be honest with yourself and ask God to identify what are you worried about. Get to the core of the problem. 
Jesus identifies wor- what they're worried about because they needed to deal with that. And you, you start by identifying the problem. What am I worried about? Am I worried about my job? Am I worried about my relationship with my spouse? Am I worried about my kids? Am I, am I worried about uh, my health? What am I worried about? Am I worried about relationships with my family? What, what is it that has you worried? Get to the source. Because until we get to the source, we can't move forward with what Jesus does when he calms the worries of these people and ultimately will calm ours. Good news today, guys. Listen, Jesus calms our worries, but he ha- we have to take his help. It's not something we can do on our own. We're frustrated if we, when we hear the command about worry, but don't be frustrated. Take the advice of Christ and do what he tells the disciples to do. Identify those worries. But don't just identify them. Again, we're not going to focus on our worries. We don't want to get them up in our minds so that we can say, oh, it really is bad. Oh, my, I'm more worried now, right? I was trying to put it away and act like it wasn't there. I was better off then. Yes, if you're going to pull it back up and focus on it, but that's not what he says. What does he do? What does he tell them to do? Second thing he does, not only just identify what you're worried about, but he says, basically, he tells them to see the ultimate value of the things that they're worried about. Look at it in verse 23. He says, life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Life, that word life in the Greek is the vitality of life. He's not just talking about living or dying. He's saying the vitality of life, the reason and purpose of this life is more than just having food to eat or a body to clothe. The body wasn't created, basically he's saying, to eat food. God didn't create our bodies with this purpose in mind. I'm going to see if that body will eat food. It'll be interesting to see. In my case, the experiment was successful. If that was what he was doing. He didn't create our bodies to see if we could eat food. Does that make sense? So, so look at the ultimate value of the things that we're worried about. He says your body wasn't created to eat food. And it wasn't created to be a mannequin for clothes. <laughs> it's more than that. Your body is more than just a, a food-eating machine. And it's more than just a, a mannequin to be able to, di- to uh, display clothing. So what about you? What has Jesus shown you about your worries? What does he want to show you about your worries? You, you, once you get those things up, then ask the ultimate question. What's the ultimate value of the things that I'm worried about? Is this, here's basically what he says. Jesus says it's all going to burn. That's what Talitha's favorite saying. All right, so take Talitha's thought in this morning. She's going to preach for a minute. It's all going to burn. Right? Those people that you are related to, those people that you have problems with, they're going to burn too. You're going to burn. This body's going to burn. You're, you're trying to feed, your, you feed yourself. You're worried about putting on the right clothes. How, how much of that do we worry about? Do I look right? You know, am I, am I working out enough? Am I eating the right foods? Am I wearing the right clothes? Do I, do I fit in with everybody? We worry about the physical aspects of life. But take any of your worries, whatever it is you're worried about, your relationships, your time, your money, your, your house, whatever. Take all those worries and ask the ultimate question, and you're going to find the same answer. It's all going to burn. Because we focus so much. The things that we worry about are not the things that are part of the kingdom of God because those things are already taken care of. Put your mind on those things. We'll talk about that in a second. Third thing, 
not only see the ultimate value, not only identify what you were about and see the ultimate value of those things or lack of value, but thirdly, recognize the craziness of worry. Recognize the craziness of worry. Jesus brings it out in this text. Uh, first of all, he, he brings it out. He says it's crazy to, to worry because God's hand is at work all around you in lesser things. Things that aren't nearly as important to me as you are. Look at it in verse 24. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. How much more valuable you are than the birds. So recognize how crazy worry is because you are so much more important than the things that you see functioning and working and being sustained around you. I love the fact that he uses a raven here. Uh, Some versions talk about considering the birds of the air, but I love this, raven. You know why? The raven's the worst bird ever, right? Nobody likes a raven. Nobody looks at a raven and says, wow, I just love ravens. They are so beautiful. And their their song is so wonderful. You know, I love to hear them in the mornings. Nobody likes ravens. It's the worst of all birds. It always has been. It's always been irritating to everybody. And so he takes the raven, even the raven, the worst of all birds. Look at it. It doesn't build up supply of food and put it into barns because your father takes care of them. How much more is he going to take care of you? Look around you, church. Look around you and see what all God sustains. Look at how God continues to keep this world from destroying itself. I mean, look at the mountains. Look at the, look at the streams. Go out and look at nature. See at how, things are, how things are sustained. Go study the sun and the earth and the distance between and all the, bi- uh, the biological things that happen in the universe and, and what is necessary for us to just be able to continue to, to live on this earth. And when you see all that stuff happening, then tell yourself this, because it's true. The Bible speaks of it. You are the crowning work of God's creation. You are the crowning work of God's creation. He created all of this for you to enjoy. He created all of this to, to sustain you. He created those birds so that we could enjoy them or hate them, but we can know that even the worst of the birds is taken care of and realize that we are the crowning work of God's creation. He created man and woman. He said it is very good. God created all of this for us to enjoy. He gave us rule over the earth. The earth is not the most important things, and the physical things in this world are not important. So recognize the craziness of worry when we know that God sustains the earth and God works in the lives of, of animals around us and sustains their life, and he also takes care of us. There is no need to worry. It's crazy for us to worry when the God of the universe who created us as the crowning work of this universe said that God will provide. Now, Satan would have some of us and does regularly, would have some of you to doubt, some of us to doubt because I do it too, to doubt God's provision for us in different circumstances because we, we feel like maybe we're, we're left out because of our sin. You know, and that might be true for the rest of the world, but, you know, I, I sin too much. God doesn't care for me like he does the ravens. I'm worse than the ravens. No. Remember, we've been made righteous. God came and made us righteous so we could enjoy the favor that he has. He gave us the righteousness of Christ so that he looks at us and says, no sin. 
He sees the righteousness of Christ and sees us as perfect. He took our sin and put it on Christ and took his righteousness and put it on us. God made him to become sin for us so that we can be made the righteousness of God. So when God looks at us, he says, I can take care of you. There's no reason why I can't because of Christ. So don't excuse yourself or explain yourself away. We are the crowning work of God's creation, and he has remade us in Christ. Hebrews chapter 4 gives us a good word regarding that. Verses 15 and 16 say, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. Christ has already won the favor of God for us. Let us then, in response to that, approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So God takes care of us because of Christ. He says because of what Christ did on the cross, he suffered, he was tempted in every way like you were, yet without sin, and I'm holding you no longer accountable for your sin. Instead, I'm going to put his righteousness on you. So when God looks at us, Christ lived his life and never sinned. I can literally say, in God's eyes, I've never sinned. I have sinned in my eyes and in your eyes, but in God's eyes, I've never sinned. And so all the benefits of God are there for me. God wants to take care of me. He does take care of me. He says, come to my throne with confidence. You will find help in time of need. Come with confidence. You will, have, you will find help in time of need. Some of us don't have confidence because we never walk in it. We never really obey God and walk in this life of trusting God. We would rather we have a habit of, and our bodies are used to, responding with worry. And so we hold on to that and we build it up. We keep on, we keep on building up that worry in our lives. But it is. It's worse than I thought it was. And we focus on the problem. It's just like Israel, whenever they were, the Israelite army, when they went out to fight uh, the uh, Philistines in the Valley of Elah. And they stood there stalemated for 40 days and 40 nights because their eyes were focused on a problem. They, their eyes were focused on a giant who stood in the valley and cried out defiance against the God of Israel over and over again, and he was intimidating. And our worries are the same way. Our problems are the same way. If you focus on them, they are intimidating. How do we know they focused on them? They demonst- they, the, the scripture gives us details about what he looked like. He had greaves of bronze. His spear tip weighed a certain amount. Uh, he, he had a uh, shield bearer. And he, all the details, go look at the details. They knew he was from Gath. Uh, they knew exactly, word for word, the, the, the words that he spoke and shouted out because they heard every word and they dwelled on all that, dwelt on that. If you focus on your problems, they will absolutely destroy you. Stop it. (laughs) Stop it. Don't let that irritate you. That's Jesus speaking. His command is don't worry. And the way that we don't worry is we remember, we look around us and we realize the God of the universe is taking care of us. He promises that in this passage. Seek the kingdom of God and all these things will be given to you. You will absolutely, without a doubt, be taken care of. Now, God may not take care of you the way you want to be taken care of because then you think you solved the problem. Trust him. 
Put yourself in his hands like you would if you were having a major surgery. Like I had a lung transplant in 1986. I just had to put myself in the doctor's hands. I, I had to trust that I would wake up. Uh, you know, he put me down. I'm, I'm history. There's nothing I can do about it. That's how crazy worry is. Worry is the same way. What good would it do if I, if I worried? Thank the Lord. They came up with some kind of medicine that they give you that puts you down. So all the worry goes away, and God has medicine for you. The medicine is this. Look around you. See that everything's taken care of in the world, and you are the crowning work of God's creation. He will absolutely take care of you. Come to his throne. So notice how God cares for the lesser things and realize your position with God. But also, we can recognize the craziness of worry by seeing how unproductive worry is. Look at verse 25. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And since you can't do this very little thing, you hear the confidence of God? It's very easy for me to add another hour to your life. But who in this room can add an hour to your life? That's a simple thing to God. You can't even do this little simple thing. Why do you worry about the rest? So, Another reason why worry is crazy because it doesn't do anything. Oh, it does something. Let me, let me take that back. It does something. Anybody want to borrow my two pages? Here's what it does. It destroys you. It destroys your health. It destroys your mind. It destroys your sleep. It destroys your body. It destroys your relationships. Worry does all of that. What can you do by, with worry? Nothing. Nothing but bad stuff. Realize the craziness of worry. When God has everything under control and he offers that to you and he says, I've got your life, I've got your best interests in mind, I'm going to take care of you, it's crazy for us to worry because of that, but it's also crazy because worry does nothing. It does nothing to help us. It only hurts us. Let me ask you a question. How many of you, by worrying about doing something, how many of you staying awake at night, not being able to sleep because you have this worry on your mind and this, these hormones are being released in your body and you can't sleep, How many of you, while you're in your bed, the problem got solved? The only problem that might have gotten solved is you quit worrying. (laughs) You're not going to solve the problem by worrying. Worrying does nothing. If you do something, you you will solve some problems. But worrying does nothing. So Jesus wants us to know that worrying worrying is crazy. So see that. Take those things that God's given you. Identify them. Make sure you see them. See them clearly. Don't try to ignore them. Then see the ultimate value of those things that you worry about. And then recognize the craziness of worry. By seeing God's hand in the lesser things around you. And by seeing the the unproductivity of worry in your life. So after you look at the problem. Then Jesus gives us one more command. Apply the solution. Look at verse 29 to 31. And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink, or do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things, and your Father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. So first of all, he says, don't set your heart on temporal things. Some of us are way too involved in the things that we own or possess. We have way too much stuff. It's costing us way too much, not only money, but it's costing us in our health because we worry about are we even going to be able to afford these things that we've bought. We have too too much house. 
We have too much car. We have too much, too many toys. We, our toys are too big. Our notes are way out of control. We have too much debt. All those things that we have are because we set our hearts on temporal things. This, this is one of the hardest things for us to learn. It doesn't matter how many times Eliza and I talk to young couples about this, premarital counseling. It doesn't matter how many times we bring up the topic of don't buy stuff you don't need. People still buy stuff because they finally got a salary. Finally got a salary. Minimum wage. I can go buy me a $100,000 truck. You know, it, it's, we, it's funny until we, uh, until we continue to focus our hearts on those things. Then you, what you find is you'll find yourself going down, and I did, until I did, we found ourselves going down this, this uh, road of one more thing, keeping up with the Joneses, one more thing, trying to look like everybody else, wear the same clothes they wear, drive the same vehicles they drive, live in the same neighborhood they live in, and it never ends. Satan wants to take you down that road. He wants that to be where your heart is. Where's your heart today? So not just money. What about time? Y'all with me? Say, oh, yeah. Because I'm going to hit everybody today because we don't all have money, but we all got time. Or do you? Do you have time to spend with the Lord to focus on his kingdom? Do you have, do you have time to read and to pray? Do you have time to sit quietly, to hear from God, to, to not only speak to God, but to hear from God? Are you, do you have time for your ABCs? Are you abiding in Christ? Are you blessing somebody? Are you? Everybody still awake? Say, oh, yeah. Don't turn your minds off right now because I'm giving you the solution. God gave it to us in this passage. Where is our hearts today? I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I'm just trying to help you complete this process to get rid of your worry. You're not going to complete the process until you admit that you have the problem and then resolve it God's way. And the big issue for most of us is our hearts are in the wrong place. Our times are full of recreation and fun. Mine is hard. I have a hard time with fun and recreation. I just want to go do stuff. And my, my spiritual life is declining and my and my uh, worry is increasing. I, I just would encourage you guys to follow this. First of all, don't set your heart. It's something you do. Stop. Don't set your heart on things that are temporal. Second thing he says, positive. All right, don't set it on the temporal, but set your heart on eternal things, the kingdom of God. Set your heart on eternal things. Start walking with God. Start abiding in Him. Do your ABCs and find out how enjoyable that is. And watch, it, it, you don't even have to tell your heart to, ch- to, uh, to transfer its affection toward the things of God. Just, just stay disciplined long enough to watch it happen. Ask God to give you encounters with Him and watch what happens to your heart. All of a sudden, your, your heart's going to be transferring its affection for the things of God. And it's not this boring, y'all know, it's not this boring life where we're all sitting around and we just, you know, we have our hands folded all the time and we have a big Bible in our hands and we're not enjoying life. I'm talking about the best of life. Man, the only reason I do what I do now, the only reason I try to abide in Christ, even go after that, the only reason I, I continue to do that is because I'm, I'm finding the best life I've ever, enjoy, I've ever experienced. It's, I don't have to say that because I'm your pastor, right? Y'all got that. You know that it's true. You see it. And this world, this community needs to see that, how good God is. The only way they're going to see it is if we set our hearts on eternal things. We've got to set it. We've got to change things and set it. Just like you had to set your clock last night 
so that you could get that extra hour of sleep. You've got to set it, and it's going to go off. God wants us to set our heart on eternal things. Now, what's the results going to be? Look at the difference in the results. Remember our story actually started with a question. The guy said, tell my brother to share this inheritance with me. He was concerned about temporal things. His heart was set on the money and the finances and getting his part of his brother's inheritance. That's where he was. Now look at what the results are whenever we focus on spiritual things or eternal things. Whenever we follow Jesus' command here and we set our hearts on different things. Look at what he says in verse 32. First of all, he says, Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Keep your mind set on the kingdom. When you start seeing how good it is, no fear. All the fear goes away. You can't look up the word worry in the, in, in any, on Google or anywhere else and not come up with anxiety and fear. It is a byproduct of worry or a part of it, whatever. Worry is part of it. Jesus says, don't be afraid. You won't be afraid, little flock, when you realize that your father, when you set your mind on the things of the kingdom and realize that God's going to give them to you. It's like setting your mind on an endless supply of what you need in life, an endless supply. You set your mind on it because that's what, the, that's what God is going to provide for you, an endless supply of what you need. Now, quit trying to tell God what you need. He will tell you what you need, and what you need might be a whole lot less than what you have, or it might be more. But set your mind on, on the eternal things, and God, and that is God, the God of the universe, will provide for you. And fear will go away. No fear, because God wants to give us the kingdom. And then verse 33, look at this. Sell your possessions. Give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will not be exalted, where the thief uh, cannot break in and steal. One second. Where the thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So he says what happens is if we start focusing on these eternal things, get our minds off of all these temporal things, then we're going to find ourselves giving our money away. Why would we do that? Because we know there's a supply of money that's right behind that money that, needs, that will take care of our needs. We know that the God that gave us that money to give away and, and led us to give it away is also going to provide whatever our needs are. So the money that we're holding on to to be able to make sure that we got enough food and enough clothing, we don't even care anymore because we have an eternal perspective. We, we see God. We see ourselves in our position with God. We've identified ourselves. We've looked around and seen how God takes care of the universe. We, look, we realize that we are the crowning work of God's creation. He's got us taken care of. So whatever we got, we can give it away. Sell your possessions. Give it to the poor. I got you. Have y'all learned that in your life? I'm sure that Buddha has learned this before in her life, but she's learning it again right now because she's doing our finance church. Everybody gets to do our finances all of a sudden starts growing in faith. You know why? Because they get to see God's endless supply. I'll just give you three quick stories. Four, okay, because she gave me another one today. So four weeks ago, Buddha's standing here counting up our meager offering <laughs> and uh, looking at me and says, we've got a big bill this week. You know, 
I said, what's the matter, boo? We've got a big bill this week. We've got a big insurance bill, $1,700, I think it was, and uh, or $1,400, whatever it was. I said, boo, listen, God has you in this position because he's fixing to show you what he can do. And everybody that's ever been in that position, y'all remember Sarah Alexander took it over, and she was, her faith was so weak, man. But man, by the time that was over with, she was, I don't care, whatever, we got this. In her own personal finances, because she got to see God working in the church. And so that week, Buddha goes to pay the bill that week, and um, she had to trans- she was going to have to transfer money out of our money market into the checking accounts, which she was a little bit nervous about, hadn't had to do that yet. So she goes to do it, and she messes up, and the account closes her out. So she can't get the money out of that account to put it in the regular account. So she calls Maddie, and Maddie's too busy at that time at, at work to be able to do anything about it. So she calls, so Maddie calls a few hours later. The time she calls, Buddha had already seen God take care of it. They had paid that bill for two months and didn't need to pay it. Weren't supposed to pay it. We had two months off, but Maddie had already paid it, so it was already paid. We got the bill, but the bill was already paid. Right, that's one. The next week. <clears throat> we've been doing our meeting in Ruston, a small church over there, group over there, started that up. I've been challenged to encourage them to give to this because we've been doing it all summer, and we spend money going up there every week, and, you know, it costs money. But anyway, I haven't said anything to them about it because God said don't. So, all right, God, you got this. Well, one week we come back, and I forgot to give Buddha the money, and I'm on the way out of the church, someone had given us $1,000 from the group in Ruston, a few little people. Thousand bucks added to our account, unexpected for that week. Last week, they called me on Friday, and they were worried about this um, the, the bank account that we used to have. Called us, so the bank called us up and said there's some problem, and they didn't know what it was. But Aaron was going to Nepal, so he told me to take care of it. So I did. I called him up to find out what it was, and uh, so they called me anyway on Friday, and they have thirty-two dollars in the checking account. $32. After bills, 32 bucks. I said, well, uh, she said, did, did you call this the bank to find out what this deal was? I said, yeah. There's a check for $2,000 coming. It was a bank account that we closed four years ago. and It had been dormant, so they called us because they're fixing to start charging money on it. We didn't know we had that $2,000 sitting in the bank. You know why? Because God wants to show us he's our supply. He wanted Buddha to learn that in her own experience. He wanted you to hear this story today so you can know God is our supplier. So Buddha went to get that money out of, the, out, of the, uh, out of the bank or out of the post office last Sunday on the way to church to put it in the offering with everything else. In addition to that was another surprise 2000 check. And last Sunday, we had the biggest Sunday we've ever had. $7,000 was given in one Sunday. Yeah, look around you. You don't see $7,000 in this room <laughs> because it's not coming from this room. Listen, if we can get an eternal perspective, don't, not, it's not about money, it's about everything. It's about all the things you're worried about right now. It's about your life, your safety, your, your physical whatever, your schoolwork, your future, all of that. It, God has all that. We just need to follow what Jesus gave us in this text because we are sick people. We are, all of us, we're sick. We so much need to worry, need to not worry. We need so much to hear that Jesus, Jesus can remove our worry. We need to hear that today.
We need to walk in that. So go back and listen to the podcast. Write these things down if you didn't write them down and start practicing them. Get these things in your mind. And let's let God take away our worry. All right, let's begin to enjoy the abundant life that God has for us. Let's get an eternal perspective on things. All right, let's pray. Jesus, we, it's easy for us to get upset when you tell us not to worry. But we have heard you today. And, and we know now that we don't have to do that alone. And so help us, help every person here to take this message and apply it this week. Steal our worry away from us. Come in and take it. We don't want it. We know what the effects are. We've seen what it does to our brains, to our sleep, to our bodies. And so we're going to take your advice. We're going to let you do your work in us. You are the one who calms our worries. So help us to identify what we're worried about. Get real specific. God, show us. Help us to admit those things. To be honest with you. Help us to see the ultimate value or lack of value of those things that we worry about. Help us to recognize the craziness of worry. To see your hand at work around us in the lesser things in life. And to recognize our position with you. We are children of God, adopted heirs who have been invited because of what Jesus did to come to the throne of grace with confidence that we will receive mercy and find grace to help us. Whatever it is that we need, whatever it is that we're worrying about, there is mercy and grace waiting on us. Help us to realize the craziness when we see how unproductive worry is. Show us. Remind us. I know we saw saw these symptoms today in our own bodies and minds. Father, help us to see the craziness of worry by seeing how unproductive it is. Would you shift our minds today, God, towards eternal things? We spend so much time focusing on, and and we're used to it, and we, we are addicted to it in some ways, focusing on these things that cause worry in our lives so we could, some of us just are so used to, God, all of us to some degree are used to whining and complaining and getting attention that way and whatever it else that, that comes from having so much to worry about when in truth we have nothing to worry about. Nothing to fear because if we set our minds on eternal things, you, you have already promised that you want to give us those things. Give us an eternal perspective on life. Help us to understand that you are our provider and realize that we can do whatever you say with our money, our time, our relationships. Because you got it. We worship you today, God, in response to what you've said to us, in response to who we've discovered you to be today. Let our worship be true in Jesus' name.